About 12 months ago, I touched on this, uh, this subject. I talked about the generational blessing of a well-ordered house. And uh, it, it came up again on my radar recently. Uh, my friend, and he's a mentor to me, uh, Pastor uh, uh, Charles Lazaro, he's a Baptist pastor. He posted a meme and I couldn't get the meme out of my head because it said, get your house in order, there is a storm coming. This is about two months ago. And for some reason, I just haven't been able to clear it out of my mind. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not wanting to preempt anything or, or, or anything like that, but, you know, we're in the midst of global storms. And uh, thankfully in our part of the world, we are removed geographically from some of the storms that are happening around the globe. I'm very thankful I'm here. But we must never take our peaceful state for granted. Things can change quickly. The state of freedom and liberty that we have lived in and under cannot be guaranteed as a permanent state of existence. Uh, in fact, Ongoing liberty requires eternal vigilance. So this morning I'm talking about the generational blessing of a well-ordered house. And, uh, you know, when I saw that meme, it, it just kept coming up in my mind and then I started to, you know, think of uh, different ways that, you know, our house can be out of order. And when I'm talking about the generational blessing of a well-ordered house... There is the house of Israel, that is a nation. There's a national house. There's the, there's the house of Australia. And there is, there is uh, you know, this in, this in a sense is the house of God. And your house is also important because that is, you know, uh, your, your safe haven, haven, your place, you know, where God is doing something that is generational through you. So to get our house in order is important. You know, it's really uh, interesting. Um, our house has sort of been totally out of order for about the last two months because we've been getting the kitchen done. And it's amazing, you know, when things get, uh, you know, uh, out of routine, how much, you know, your house can get, get out of order. Lynn is meticulous with cleaning and she is meticulous in having things in order in the house and uh, to the point where things get moved around and, uh, you know, I think, where is the coffee? <laughs> anyway, all, all the um, men in the place know what I mean by that. But, you know, over the last uh, six weeks, for reasons outside of our control, the houses look like a bomb hit it. We'll blame the, the carpenter down there, Graham. <laughs> he's, he's just been great. But, you know, sometimes our house, like we're talking this morning, you know, we're talking the church. You know, the, it's, it needs to be a well-ordered house and uh, not chaotic, not out of order. It needs to be in order. Things need to be set right because there's a generational blessing. If things that are set right now in the house, then there's a generational blessing. I know that I am blessed because I was raised in a well-ordered house. 
uh, where, where my parents love God, love one another. And, uh, you know, I used to think that uh, I lived in the biggest house. I was brought up on the farm in central Victoria and uh, there was eight children in the house. And when I go back there now, it's amazing because it's this tiny little house that we're raised in. But, you know, there was order in the house. And because of that, there is a generational blessing. Out of all my siblings, not one of the marriages has failed. And it was because of what was set in place. Now, I know that failure happens and it's outside your control. But when victories are won and certain foundations are laid in one generation, that generation will go from generation to generation to generation. And this is what God wants. So this morning I'm praying that God sets the house in order. And that is the house of God that is, you know, your house. And that is now this house is the temple of God. You know, the Bible talks in 2 Corinthians 3. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And sometimes our own personal life can get out of order. You know, it can be, we can be a walking chaos because things are not set right on the inside of us. So if this house is going to be a well-ordered house, a blessed house that can bring generational blessing to you, to your children and to the city, then we need to set things in order and, and not be given to chaos and not let things get out of, out of whack personally. You know, it's not easy to keep things in order. Like sometimes, you know, uh, your spending can just get out of order and chaos comes into your personal life because you can't balance your budget. Sometimes, you know, your health can become damaged because we eat and eat and eat and eat. I've asked Karen not to give me slim fit shirts because it doesn't cover a multitude of sins. You know, sometimes our life can get out of order and God wants us to have a well-ordered house. He wants our family to be like a well-ordered house that can produce a generational blessing. And especially this morning, this church because God's got a purpose. And it's not that, you know, we have wonderful victories just in one generation and then we surrender to everything else is going away and there's nothing here in another generation. God wants us to go from generation to generation. He wants our blessings that we have, that Jesus has won for us and, and, the, and the blessings that we are beginning to experience in one generation. He wants them to go from generation to generation. God wants to bless us, amen. We spoke about it last week. But you know, the blessings that are one in one generation can be lost in the next. And this is where we need to be eternally vigilant this morning. And we need to apprehend and we need to push in and attain what Jesus won for us on the cross. And we need to secure those victories now and from generation to generation. This morning, I wanted, to, I wanted to raise some issues for you to consider because God, I believe, and I especially want to talk to the families this morning, is that God wants you, 
you know, mum and dad, or if it's just mum, to have your house in order, to rearrange some things, to reset, because because I, I just believe the future could be very bumpy, very stormy, and you don't have to be a prophet to say that. I just believe this is the way that it is. And I've got some issues for you to consider. Write these down if you can. The first issue that we need to consider if we are going to experience the generational blessing of a well-ordered house is the presence of God. We need to address the issue of the, of the presence of God. And you know, right from the start, the Apostle Paul, as I said before, he said, don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? This is very much how you treat your own body, that you regard it not as your own, but as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know, this is where the first place that you've got to win it. Our, our body is made and, and in such a way that God can come and dwell on the inside. So, so the issue of His presence is very important. If you want to live your life well, highest priority every day has got to be the presence of God. We need to acknowledge Him and we need to honour Him and we need to continually invite the presence of God. And I really believe this is, you know, as, as the, I guess the overseer of the work here, that my most important priority is to make sure that the presence of God is set in the right place as we go about our proceeding. And that is a choice because we can neglect the presence of God. We can get so busy in our chaos, you know, you know if we become extra, extra busy and we've got no time for the presence of God, then we are right there beginning to negotiate on the importance of God's presence and we risk our life moving into disorder. So every day we need to start our day this way, you know, to begin to acknowledge and honour His presence, to really honour His presence. And this morning, you know, I, I feel that the job of the... the uh, the worship team, you know, our, our ministry team is the most important because us together are ushering in the presence of God. If there's something that I want the world around us to know is that God is in that place. You know, people might have different opinions of us or whether we're a bit, you know, I've heard lots of words. Wacky extreme and, you know, all sorts of things. But, but this is how we need to become. There's a presence that I can feel when I walk past that opening there of the door. You know, that, that, that what we're doing in here so attracts the people of God. Because when the presence of God is set in the house, it's going to influence the whole of the business community. It's going to affect sale. It's going to affect the surrounds. So when we come to church, we are not worshipping God for us. We are worshipping God because He deserves all honour and glory. He is the God Most High and we worship Him that way. And the further we go in worship, 
the more we are going to experience His manifest presence in, in the house. So that's why, you know, I, I can be a little bit hard on the people up here because I want to make sure that they're just not going through the motions of playing their instruments or singing on the backups. This is ministry to God. So, so people, you know, there's no rush to get up here when you come to this church because we are all here this morning to worship God in the Spirit and in truth. And let me tell you, you've got to open your mouth to do that. You know, you've got to open your mouth to do that. And sometimes, you, you know, your body has got to follow what's going on in your heart because God is attracted to a certain attitude. And it's the attitude of excellence in worship where there's a self-abandonment and it's no longer about us or whether I'm there or I'm sitting in the front row or standing down the back, but we are here as one unit. It's never them and us. We are here to worship God. Amen. We are here, what for? Yeah, we are here for worship, God. It's not our job to give you a ministry or anything like that. It is our job to lay our crowns down and worship Him from the bottom of our heart. That is why we are here. This is what we got to do. And you know, if you get called up to be part of that, fantastic. If you get called to lead, uh, that's wonderful. If you want to get involved with that, you tell me, I'll help you prepare for it because this is all about the heart. Our heart needs to become the highway to Zion. You know, this is, this is where we need to allow God. God, raise up a generation in this city that are a generation of worshippers, radical abandon in the presence of God. Why? Because we've got over ourselves. This is the biggest thing when you're worshipping God. The first thing you've got to do is get over yourself. You've got to get over your tiredness. You've actually got to get over your personal preference. You know, that's why sometimes I just say, come on, let's all stand. Now, sometimes I know we've got to sit. But you know, if, if uh, we had royalty walk into the room, some wouldn't be sitting, some wouldn't be standing. You know, some wouldn't have their leg over the chair lying on the couches down the back. Now all that's okay, but we need to know that we are here together to usher in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Most High God. Now I tell you, this is right. This is what we're here for. So, so uh, worship is the highest priority when we come, that we gather together, that our hearts are dealt with. Because, you know, you can't be belting people up in the weekend and week and then come to church and worship God like nothing's happened. Hey, so, so it's a heart thing. You know, I, I believe the big mistake in the church in this generation, they've made it a performance thing. And, you know, God knows a performance. But when it's real, when it's deep, when it's heart, when people are going beyond the veil, into the presence of God. They're going beyond their own flesh. You know, this is what we've got to come back. And, you know, it's good. It's good to come into the house of God and worship Him and usher in His presence. 
But you know, it's a bit false if we're doing that and it's the only time during the week. Worship. I tell you, when our guys are worshipping God at home, on their instruments, when mums and dads are worshipping wherever they go, things are going to happen in the house. Miracles will happen. Bodies will get healed. Lives will get transformed. Because, you know, the preaching is just here to help. It's just here to guide. But the worship when we all come to that place where we are joined our hearts in worship because God is God and everything else. You know, I was quite happy to see Collingwood win the Premiership. I was, but let me tell you, as much as I love that game, I was not going to mention Collingwood when I come in here the next day. You know, we make it about stuff and we make it about things but we're here to worship God. And in the end, who gives a rip about a game? We are now dealing with life and death issues on the earth. And you always got to remember it's a game. Amen. Having said that, go pies. (laughs) But I mean this, I mean this. For years, you know, I, I was rather absorbed in the whole football thing. And when I first became a Christian, I laid it down. I didn't watch a game for about six or seven years because it had become more important in my life than what it should, as a lot of other things had done. And we've always got to remember that He is God. He needs the highest place. And man, the day that, you know, people in church are as excited as they are when a team runs onto the ground, I'll know we're ready for some sort of move of God. And that's a reality. The issue of the presence of God. Let's get serious. Let's go back. Let's find His presence again. You know, uh, I had a spot out there on the top of the pines. Right up there is a bit of a crossroad in the pines and that was my space. That was like some people talk about thin spaces. You know, thin spaces are where you go to find God. And uh, the Moravian movement uh, became, it was birthed out of uh, the, the, the prayer meeting that went 100 years at Moravian Falls, Moravian Falls. And, uh, you know, they're saying now that a lot of the prophetic ministries go up there to listen because it's a thin space. You know, uh, a lot of them need to go up a lot more because I can hear some wacky stuff coming out of American prophets. But there's some good guys. Anyway, that's another subject. But the point is worship. The point is having that place in your life where you go to find Him. Because when you put the presence of God before everything else, you are setting an order in the house. Amen. So the first one is the issue of His presence. The second one is the issue of priorities. Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It flows out of the first point. When we set the Kingdom first, each day things are going to be set right in our life because it says, Seek first the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is the invisible Kingdom 
that's coming down from heaven and is expressed through our own heart. The Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. Wherever you see the Kingdom of God in a family where it's well set, well established, you see righteousness. You have peace and people experience joy. So, you know, we are not here to tell people how to live their lives. We're not here to highlight people's wrongs. We are here to demonstrate the Kingdom by modelling righteousness, peace and joy. Do you know what our job in the city is? Is to uphold righteousness. It's to continually do the right thing in a generation that does not know what the right thing is. So even that itself can be a challenge. Righteousness, to be people who spread peace. Because now in this, we are in such a divided world and it's easy to take sides and to go, this is my side, I am right. But that in itself is not righteousness. We are here to bring peace. We're here to bring peace. We're here to bring joy. And that's what we you know, need to become very good at. And, and you know, the starting point for us, God's put us right here in the middle of the business community. Do you know what our job is? To be agents of righteousness, agents of peace and agents of joy. So seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You know, it's really easy once again to get out of kilter with this sort of thing because the most important priority is the Kingdom of God. But in a day we can deprioritize the Kingdom. Like you know this is the truth, what I'm telling you. But it'll get tested as the day goes by. God wants us to be kingdom-oriented people, not just church-oriented. Our priority is to advance the kingdom of God into the world we are going from today. And you know, we need to establish tangible ways of bringing the kingdom. Amen. Bringing righteousness, bringing peace, bringing joy. So the issue of priorities is important. Even though we are going out there, it starts with the house and in the house. We are gathered here today. God's gathering us together to align ourselves under His presence and under His Word. And you know, one of the things, one of the great things, great signs in the last days is going to be the quality of the church. It's going to be the quality because all of us have got different priorities. Priorities for some are holidays, money, sport, all that stuff's good. But God has His priorities. And every day when we pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth. We went through that whole thing of the Our Father. We're resetting our lives. We're realigning our lives with His kingdom priorities. So, so, you know, the move of God starts in the house. It starts in my own heart.
But as we gather corporately, there is a corporate anointing here which pushes the move of God out into society. But this is what the Bible says. It says the glory of the house, the latter house will be greater than the former. In other words, the more and more we come to the end of the age or the return of Christ, there's gonna be more of a manifestation of the glory in the house. You know, the song we sung there this morning was about when the temple of Solomon was set and dedicated and the Bible says that the priest couldn't stand. The glory in the house was that strong. God wants us to experience that and more. Do you know what I believe that, you know, the church in the last days is gonna be such an important agency of change and transformation in society. You find this in the book of Isaiah, chapter two, verse two. It says, now it shall come to pass in the latter days. When do you think that would be? I think probably about now. You know, the the Word of God is alive, it's living, it's got a truth in every Scripture. But when this says, now it shall come to pass in the last days, this speaks to me now more than it did a generation ago to my parents. This is like, wow, I'll read on for you. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of all the other mountains. You know, there are mountains in society and we'll talk another day about that. But the mountain, that the mountain of the Lord's house will be established on top of the other mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. This is God's great plan for the church. That when, you know, when the building, you know, God gathers the people, gathers them in and He begins to build us together as a holy habitation. And then when the work in us is finished, the glory of God can come and manifest itself in such a way. Do you know what? That's going to attract society to the only answer in this generation, which is coming from the house of God. That's why we've got to get it right. Man, we are the best example that society are going to have about how to live. So we can't get snappy with people. Can't get grumpy with people. Can't afford to get (laughs) upset. (laughs) All nations are gonna flow to the house. Now listen, this is what it says. This is prophecy. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and He will teach us His ways. And we shall walk in His paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the Word of God from Jerusalem. Do you know what this is? a type of Zion in that sense. And, and you know, when people have gone through all the self-interests and all the ideas and all the, you know, political strategies and everything else, we're gonna have to come back 
and come up to the house of the Lord and say, what was that again? How does marriage work again? What really is God's plan for man? How, how do I live my life? This is the incredible job of the church. Come, let us go. And I believe from this day forward, we're going to have strange things happen where people are just going to get out of bed and they're going to say, husbands are going to say to their wives, come, we are going to go down to the church at the stables and we're going to find out how to get our lives right. Why? Because there are so many people down there whose lives have been changed. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Listen, there is answers nowhere else. All people have got right across the globe now is questions. How do we get into this mess? And you know, when they ask the questions without understanding who God is, they cannot help but come up with a wrong answer. This morning, God wants us to set our own house in order so that the blessings of God can go from generation to generation. The third issue is the issue of provision. The issue of provision. I've seen marriages come under stress when finance comes under stress. Now, what we need to do, just some advice here, we need to use the time wisely to get our finances in order. God does and always has provided for us. This is Lynn and myself, this is our testimony that from the day we determined to serve God, God's met our needs. And, and He's done it amazingly. But this is our testimony. We wouldn't be here if God didn't provide for us. We at times really stepped out and put Him to the test. But this morning, I think it's going to be important for us. It's going to be important for us to be very good stewards. You know, you can't just waste your money. I believe there's financial stress ahead. All the money has been spent. You know, the, uh, money's losing its value quick. And, and this is a repeatable cycle that societies go through. So what we need to do is we need to learn to do finance God's way. We need to learn to do it His way because when we do it His way, there is a release of provision and blessing over our life. For Lynn and myself, it was just stepping out in faith and really knowing He was our provider. We had to learn that. And then doing the right thing with money. Do you know what money is like? Paper an alloy. But when you do things with money, it's like God is looking on and He's seeing what you do. Because the way that we handle our finance represents our heart. Do you know what? You can't outgive God. I reckon generosity is one of the most important things 
you know, for us is to be people who are just generous. I was thinking of this yesterday because we went and had, uh, had breakfast with, uh, with our family yesterday morning at Mr. Raymond. And a little while ago, Lynn and myself were there. And we looked across the room and there was an older woman, probably a grandma, taking her, I would suspect, her grandson out for breakfast. And when I saw them, I don't know, I got hit with some kind of burden. And I just went over to the cashier and I said, I want to pay for them. And I got out of there. Do you know what? I don't know what that did to them, but that did something on the inside of me. You know, generosity is such a powerful thing because when you give, you are going to receive. You're going to receive. Now, the Bible has got guidelines on giving, how you give. And, and you know, we can talk about that another day. But I believe that when we are obedient with giving and responsive to God in our giving and good stewards, that God releases something back to us. And uh, I believe this is important because I don't think we may be able to depend on governments to look after us when we go right into our old age. They've got no money. The debt in this nation is staggering. If you want to see what really staggering means, you go to the usdebtclock.org and watch the numbers spinning. It's out of control. Now, my way of thinking is there's always a day of accountability. So the way that you use your finance, you know, when you, oh, people borrow, oh, people have got scary debts. I wouldn't be having scary debts now. Just try and restrain yourself. Like, yes, you need a house. But when Lynn and myself bought our house, I think we, we borrowed $90,000 back in 2001. Signed the contract the day the buildings were going down. I thought, what are we doing? World War III starting and there's massive debt. I don't know whether people are going to be so lucky this time. Just be careful of your debt. I'm giving you a lovely pastoral warning. Keep your debt under control. Don't feel like you need a new car. Buy a bomb. My friend here will sell his second-hand Mercedes to you very cheap. <laughs> but it's sort of like, you know, in our day, the day I was brought up, the place I was brought up, we made do. Now we don't make do. We, we uh, what do we do? We borrow money we don't have to impress people we don't like with things that people... <laughs> don't need as Pastor Bakari. I have to get that right. It's pretty much how society works. The issue of provision. God will provide, but you've got to set your spending in order. That could be really important for you. Amen. Big debt, 
could be big problems later on. Number four, the issue, whoops, I've got a lot to go. I'm gonna finish right there. And I'm gonna talk to you some more about this next week. And everybody said, I've never seen anybody so happy. <laughs> Point number one, issue number one. That's how we start tomorrow. When we pray the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the presence. Number two, what was number two? Set your priorities right and it all flows from the house. Now on that, I've never seen anybody who deprioritised the house maintain a strong spiritual life. The more you lock in, the stronger you become, the more accurate you become. Number three, provision, provision. God will look after you in the future, but make sure that you're aligning with Him and obedient with your finance. God wants to bless you. God wants to make this house a storehouse. I often think of that. There's a lot of needy people in our city, but we're not quite set up the way that we need to be yet. Do you know what? We are the only Jesus they're going to see. Amen. It's a good day to be in church.